0: I want to welcome you in, church. It's so great to be in the house of God today. My name is Daniel, and I am the community pastor here, and it's my honor just to get a chance to share uh, and kick off this series, This We Believe. You know, we live in a time where our, our belief and our, our faith is is challenged and contested more than ever, and I think now more than ever, the church needs to know what we believe, Because the days of, because the Bible said so, the days because of, that's what my pastor says, or that's what my parents says, those days are over, church. Those days are over. That that answer is not good enough. And if we don't know what we believe, if we don't have a solid foundation of belief, and I want to tell you the wind and the waves are going to come, things are going to happen, circumstances are going to come against you, and you will be rocked. But if the foundation is solid, if you know what you believe, man, I believe that it it gives you the confidence in who God is to see you through any storm, to see you through any trial. And that's what we are going to be talking about today. Can we give the band one more hand? Man, thank you, guys. And so today we are going to be in the book of 1 Peter 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2, don't sit down just yet, I'm going to let you sit down just a second, don't sit down just yet. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to read a few things together here and so today we're going to be talking about the Trinity and what that is. And We just got done singing it in that song, Our God is Three in One and so we're going to be talking about the mystery of the Trinity today and in all of these beliefs, by the way, we're going to be examining these beliefs that, that we don't just have at core church this is not this is what core church believes but but these are beliefs shared throughout the church universal so pretty much anyone who calls himself a follower of Jesus um, pretty much subscri- subscribes to these beliefs and you can find a copy of these on our website so th- this is what we believe as christ followers this is what we believe as christians and the first one that we're going to look at I want us to read together it's this first belief and it says uh, this, if we can get that on the screen that we believe in one God. here we go. all right let 's read this together. We believe in one God revealed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like I said, today we 're going to be talking about the Trinity in First Peter chapter one, verse two. If you don 't have a Bible, by the way, I encourage you on your smartphone just to download the Version Bible app. we 're on that app. by the way, you can go to the events section of that app. follow along with today 's message. Take notes in there, stay on top of what's happening here at the church. There's a reading plan that goes along with today's message as well that's in that app. And so 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says this. If you don't know where 1 Peter is, by the way, it's right before 2 Peter. <laughs> <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. God the Father knew you and shows you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. So Father, we come before you today and we're just so grateful, Lord, to be in your house. And God, my prayer is that you would reveal yourself to us, God, as we explore the concept and the mystery of the Trinity today. God, would you draw our hearts deeper into you. God, would we leave today with a deeper love and understanding of who you are, God, and how you pursue us and how much you love us. And so, God, we open up our hearts to you today, God. We open up our minds. God, help us to be attentive, Lord. Help us to be alert, God. And we just thank you for all that you're going to do. And if you're ready to hear from God this morning, can I get a big amen? Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. So have you ever tried to explain something to someone that was pretty much unexplainable? You know, maybe you're with a group of friends, and like one guy gets up, you know, to, to go to the bathroom, and then... You know, you guys are, are talking and all of a sudden someone says something and it is just like the funniest thing you've ever heard. And you guys are all crying, laughing, and then your friend comes back into the conversation and is like, What did I miss? And you try to explain the joke to him and it's like the more you talk, the stupider you sound and you realize it and your friend's like, Was there a gas leak or something that happened in here? Have you guys all lost your mind or Maybe when you go to the mechanic, you know, your car is doing something funny. You try to explain, if you're a non-mechanic, you try to explain to the mechanic what's wrong with your car. You know, it's like, well, I'm trying to start it and it's doing the like tick thing, you know. It's like, it's not doing the, you know, or it's making this noise on the highway. It's like, it's like, kind of noise. It's like, is it more of a, no, it's more of a kind of noise. You're trying to explain to the mechanic. What's going on? One one of my favorites is so I'm a you know I'm a musician I'm a big big guitar nerd and so because of that I'm online all the time looking at guitars reading like reviews and stuff and it's so funny to me to try to see how as musicians and and fellow guitar nerds we try to explain how a guitar sounds in written text because we all know just like how a guitar sounds, but, you know, we like to discuss the, the subtle nuance of how the guitar sounds. And so because of that, you know, the guitar people, we all have like these certain words that we use to explain. and They're, they're absolutely ridiculous. You know, it's like, oh man, I love that guitar. It sounds real chewy. You know, it's like, man, this guitar is real twangy or it's real chimey or, oh, you know, I didn't really care for that because it had a real nasally quality to it or One of my favorites, you know, for country musicians to say, man, man, Corey, your guitar was real spanky today. You know, it's like, that's a good thing. You know, probably the best one, though. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, you've done good. If I'm like, Eric, man, your guitar sounded real nasty today, you know, and it's like, yeah, all right, my guitar was nasty. That's a good thing. So today we're going to be diving into something that right up front, I just want to get out of the way, no matter how good of a job I do today, and I'm going to do a great job. I'm going to, no matter how good of a job I do trying to explain the concept of the Trinity today, I'm trying to explain something that is not fully explainable. I'm trying to explain something that no matter, no matter, we could spend hours, we could go out to lunch afterwards and continue the conversation. If you want to buy me lunch and do that, then come see me after service, that's fine. But we could, we could have all, but, but at the end of the day, we're explaining something that's not fully explainable, the mystery of the Trinity. Now, if you're new to church, if you're new to faith, you may be wondering, what the heck is this Trinity thing? Didn't she love Neo in the Matrix? Is that what we're talking about? Like, what the heck is the Trinity? And so I think it's good for us to, to kind of, you know, lay a foundation of what we're going to be talking about today. Today's message is going to be a little different. To me slightly more academic. I'm going to use some big words today, so even if you learn nothing else, you can use big words to impress your friends after today's message. It's going to be awesome. And, and so let, let's look at this idea of the The idea of the Trinity is simply this. It's this idea that we have one God. Everyone say, one God. We have one God that has been revealed to us as three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. One God, three persons. So how did we come across this concept of the Trinity? Well, we're going to back up all the way to the beginning of the book, all the way to the beginning of the Bible. See, the children of Israel, God's chosen people, they had an understanding of this idea that there was one God. There was one God, God the Father. And so God the it's it's kind of easiest for us to get our head around this concept of God the Father, God the creator, the God who spoke things into existence, the God of the Old Testament. So the children of Israel had one God. Now, this is a big deal because in, in ancient times, no one else had one God. Okay, Everyone else worshipped many gods. They worshipped multiple gods. They worshipped sun gods and moon gods and tree gods and just all kinds of different gods, statues of this, statues of that. See, other nations were what's known as polytheistic. They worshipped many gods, polytheism, so they were polytheistic, but the people of Israel believed in one God. They were monotheistic, monotheistic, one God, and it stood in stark contrast to the rest of the ancient cultures that worshipped many gods, and as Christians, this is really important for us to understand, we are a monotheistic religion. We believe in one God. We are not polytheistic. We don't believe in many gods or multiple gods. We believe in one God. So fast forward to when Jesus shows up on the scene and all of a sudden Jesus is different from anything that's ever happened before because Jesus was not just another teacher. Jesus was not just another prophet. Jesus was not even an angel. People who followed Jesus and saw what Jesus did recognized that Jesus was the son of God that Jesus was God, that he wasn't less, he was God. But at the same time, the distinction happens because Jesus was something different from God the Father, that he was still God, but he was not God the Father. And then Jesus says, after I leave, I'm going to leave something called the Holy Spirit with you and that the Holy Spirit is going to, to show myself to you and reveal myself to you. And so the church understood that the Holy Spirit of God was still God. It wasn't some lesser thing than God, that the Spirit of God was God. But it was also something different from God the Father and God the Son. Once again, it's not a polytheistic religion. It's not three separate gods, but it's one God in three persons. Now, some of you, I can tell I'm looking out across the crowd and you're like, Daniel, I have not had enough coffee this morning for you. you, I, you I, 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 okay, so we're, we're going to try to unpack this just a little bit further. So once again, this is a big concept for us to try to get our heads around. So because of that, we've tried to use different illustrations and analogies. And if you've grown up in church, maybe you're familiar with some of these. Uh, we use things like an egg, the concept of an egg. You know, so an egg, we, I, I was going to bring an egg, but then I thought, we all know what an egg looks like, right? If you don't know what an egg looks like, you need help beyond what I can offer you in today's <laughs> message. So you, you, we have an egg. An egg is composed of three parts, the shell, the white, and the yolk, three parts that make up one egg, three in one, three parts, one egg. And this is good because it kind of gives us, you know, a, a little bit of an understanding of this concept of the Trinity But it's not perfect. It kind of falls apart in some aspects because if you have a part of an egg, you do not have a whole egg. If you have an egg shell, you have an egg shell. You don't have an egg. If you have an egg white, if you're on an egg white diet, you know this to be true. You do not have a full egg. You have an egg white. But the thing with the Trinity is each part of the Trinity is not a lesser part of God. Each part of the Trinity is still fully God in Colossians two nine Paul says, "For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body in human body, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God." In a human body, see every member of the Trinity is fully God, they're not lesser God. Jesus is not a lesser God than God the Father. The Spirit is not a lesser part of God than God the Father or than Jesus. That each part of the Trinity is fully God, they're not like you know, Power Rangers, Megazord coming together now. When they come together, they fully form God. It doesn't work that way. That each member of the Trinity is fully God. If you have Jesus, you have God, if you have God the Father, you have God, if you have the Spirit of God you have God. You're still encountering the fullness of God. So another illustration that we've used over the years is the one of water, that water can exist in three different states. You can have water as a solid, water as a liquid, and water as a gas, and ice, liquid, and and steam. Some of you, hopefully, you guys all know that. (laughs) But the problem with with this idea when it comes to the Trinity, it kind of helps us, okay, God can kind of exist in three different ways, but each person of the Trinity is not a different phase of who God is. It's not like God just exists as one thing, and he like comes as a phase of the Son, and then he comes back, and he, he comes as a phase of the Holy Spirit, like it's a different phase of who God is, that God exists as three persons, and we see this happen when Jesus got baptized in Matthew 3, that we see all three persons of the Trinity present, independent from each other, because the same water cannot be ice, liquid, and gas at the same time. It has, you know what I mean, it transitions. It can't exist as those things at the same time, the same water, the same way it is with the Trinity. In Matthew 3, it says, after his baptism, talking about Jesus, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him, and a voice from heaven, God the Father, saying, this is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. So we see each three members of the Trinity Existing at the same time in the same space, independent from each other, same God, but in three persons. And so, this is a foundational belief of our faith one God existing in three persons, one God existing in three persons, not polytheism, not three separate gods, one God expressed in three different persons. And it can be a doozy for us to get our heads around this concept, but. But I want to stop here, and I want to say I think it's healthy for us also to embrace the mystery of the Trinity, to embrace the mystery of it. Look, because we don't understand it does not mean that God is less approachable, okay? I don't understand my iPhone, okay? Like, I know how to use it, but I don't understand how it converts touch and screen and electrons and cell phone data and Wi-Fi and Bluetooth into cat videos. I don't understand how that works, but it doesn't keep me from using my iPhone. And just because we, don't, we can never fully grasp the complexity of God it does not mean that God is unapproachable or that we should not approach God or that God's something that's beyond our grasp to be interacted with and to be used And to be loved. And so today, as we look at this, some of you may be asking, okay, well, how does this really impact me? Whether God's one in one or three in one or all in one, does it it really make a difference? And I believe that it does for a couple of reasons. One, I think some of you today, you feel like, man, my faith just got a whole lot more complicated. And some of you maybe even come from traditions where you've heard that, well, you need to pray to Jesus. And if you're not praying to Jesus, your prayers are not going to be answered, or you need to be praying to the Holy Spirit. And so if you've been doing it wrong, then God's not going to hear your prayers. And so you feel like, have I been doing it wrong the whole time? Is there a formula or is there a a way to approach God that that I haven't been realizing? Maybe that's why God's distant from me, or maybe that's why I don't feel like I'm, I'm getting my prayers answered. And so you feel like this just complicates and. And makes things harder for me to approach God with. And I want to I I strip some of that away today as we unpack what the Trinity is. And also for, some of, for all of us today, I hope that as we understand God more, it will help us to love God more. If you're here today and you're married, you understand that the more I understand my spouse, the easier it is for me to love them. The more I understand my kids, it's easier for me to be in relationship with them. And for some of you here today, you've not had a great understanding of God, and I think it keeps you from developing a deeper love for God. I think it keeps you from developing a deeper passion for God. And so maybe if we can understand a little bit more about him today it will help us to approach him more, and it'll help us to love him more, and it'll help us to become more passionate about him. And the other thing that I think we're going to see today is how God, through the Trinity, he is fully sufficient to lead us to salvation. He is fully He is everything that we need for salvation, and we're going to see his tremendous, amazing, incredible love for us as we explore the Trinity today. So you guys ready to, to dig in and, and go with me? All right, three of you are. That's awesome. If you're ready, can I get an amen? Amen. Awesome, here we go. So let's look at the roles of the Trinity because each person of the Trinity plays a different role when it comes to the fulfillment of our salvation. So we're just gonna go back to 1 Peter 1, 2. And starting at the very beginning, it says, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. See, we see in the Trinity that the Father is the initiator of our salvation. That God the Father is the one who initiates. He's the one that takes the first step. He's the one that approached us. He knew you and chose you long ago. In Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, Jeremiah the, God speaking to the prophet Jeremiah says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you before I formed you. So God has known us For a long time. And this concept is absolutely crazy to me. You know, part of me doesn't like this because I don't know about you, but I'm always trying to escape the me from long ago. Now, some of you in here, you know, you may have rocked it long ago. Like you may look back on your high school days and you're like, oh man, I had the body. I had the car. You know, I didn't have a care in the world. I'd love that time of my life. Not me, church. I am what's known as a late bloomer, okay? This version of me standing on here at this stage right now, this is the best me that has ever been, okay? I, the me from Heist, I'm always trying to escape the me from long ago, so I have no idea why I'm going to do what I'm getting ready to do now, but I have photographic proof of the me from long ago. Uh, maybe, maybe this is not a good idea, but anyways, so this is the me from long ago. going to let that sink in, let that sink in, so, so this is me at a bowling tournament, <laughs> national bowling tournament, thank you very much, um, holding, holding the golden bowling pin there, um, the pin was actually, I don't know, like hot glued or something, so it stays at that angle no matter what, but they made you look like you were holding it for, for whatever reason, uh, wearing a shirt that's four sizes too big, wearing a haircut that's four sizes too big, Um <laughs> With a head that's four sizes too big for the body. <laughs> the me from long ago. I'm trying, but God knew the me from long ago. And I want to tell you, no matter, no matter if your best time was in your past, if your best time is right now, no matter what, I believe we all have things from our long ago that we're ashamed of. We all have things from our long ago that we want to leave in the past. We all have things from our long ago, hurts. Words that someone said to you. Words that you said to someone else. Things that when you close your eyes at night in the stillness, they they come. Old memories replay the things from your long ago. Decisions made in a moment that have impacted and affected your entire life. Feelings of neglect. Feelings of not being good enough. Feelings of not fitting in, feelings of not being wanted, that we all have things from our long ago, decisions that we made, choices that we made, the people that we've let down, the people that we hurt. We all have things from our long ago, but the Bible says that God knew us in our long ago, that he knew the us that we're ashamed of that he knew the us that we want to keep hidden in the closet, that he knew the us that we want to keep buried in the past, that he knew us in our long ago. And not only did he know us, but he took the step toward us in the middle of our sin, in the middle of our shame, when we didn't want him, when we didn't recognize him, when we didn't think we had need of him, that he took a step toward us, that he initiated relationship with us, that this is who God the Father is, the initiator of our salvation, that no matter what shame, no matter what hurt, no matter what problem you've had, that he initiated the step toward you. So I want to throw in a bonus theological term for you today. It's this term, prevenient grace. Prevenient grace, and prevenient grace is the idea that before you were looking for God, before you were aware of God, before you desired God, before you even acknowledged God, that God was seeking after you, that his grace was pursuing you, that he was orchestrating things and is orchestrating things in your life so that you will come into relationship with with him that God's grace is always at work in your life, whether or not you know it, whether or not you're aware of it. See, you may be here today, and you may not know who God is. You may hate God. You may not believe in God. You may have doubts. You may be an atheist. You may be agnostic. You may be from a different religion. I want to tell you, your kids may have come to Kids Day last week, and they drug you here this week, and you have absolutely no desire to be here. But I want to tell you today, church, that I do not believe you are here by accident. I do not believe you are here by happenstance or by circumstance, because you can ask any one of us who have been followers of Jesus here in this place, and we will tell you that God was at work before we knew he was at work, that the circumstances in our life were not circumstantial, that the things, in our, the coincidences in our life that got us here were not coincidental, but they were the very hand of God at work, bringing us to salvation, revealing himself to us, showing us his goodness, showing us his grace showing us his mercy. This is the idea that God is the initiator, that he's pursuing us no matter where we are in our life. He's the initiator of our salvation. And this separates us from other religions because in other religions they say you have to shape up before you can get to God, that you have to, that God's sitting on the mountain and you have to climb up the mountain to get to God. Well, I want to tell you, we believe that God was sitting on the mountain and saw us in our hopelessness, that he saw us in our long ago, that he saw us when no one else wanted us, and he said, I'm coming down the mountain for you, that I'm initiating the relationship with you. This is the God that we serve, and not only did God know us, the real us, the ugly us, the us that we were ashamed of, but then he goes a step further. Peter says that God the Father knew us and then he chose us. That he didn't choose us once we cleaned up our act. That he didn't choose us once we believed. That he didn't choose us once we started to get things right. That he chose us. The us that was long ago. The us that didn't want anything. That he chose us. And there's such a power in being chosen. If you've ever played Pick up basketball or something like that where, you know, everyone's choosing teams. You know the, the gut punch, it feels like, to be the last person chosen. It's like, oh, no one wants me. I've, I've never personally experienced that. But, you know, uh, but it hurts when you're the last one chosen. There's, there's athletes that make careers out of, I remember every person that was drafted before me, and I'm going to show them all. There's a power in being chosen. I want to tell you something. You are not the last pick on God's team that you are not the leftovers to God, that he knew you and he chose you to be a part of the kingdom. See, what we see about the Father is this simple idea that I am loved by the Father. Can we say that together? I am loved by the Father. And the incredible thing about the love of God is God, his love does not just leave us in our mess. His love does not just leave us in our our long ago. His love does not just leave us in our shame. See, God loves us in our mess. Church, I want you to listen to this. God loves us in our mess, but he loves us enough not to leave us in our mess. I'm going to say that again, that God loves you in your mess, no matter where you are today, no matter what you're doing, no matter what's going on in your life, God loves you. But he loves you enough not to leave you there. He loves you enough not to leave you as that person. He doesn't want to see you shackled with, with shame and regret and hurt and have those things constantly ruling over your life and having those things constantly influencing every decision that you make. He loves you enough not to leave you in your mess, which brings us to the next person in the Trinity. So we talked about the Father, so we go on to see that God the Father knew you and shows you long ago, and his Spirit has made you holy. His Spirit has made you holy. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit really quick. I think we have a lot of ideas of what the Holy Spirit is, how the Holy Spirit operates, especially in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We think the Holy Spirit, some of us think of the Holy Spirit as the one who brings us comfort. Others of us think of the Holy Spirit as someone who brings us peace, or the Holy Spirit is, is when, you know, we're in worship and I get, I get the goosebumps. I can look at my arm, and it's like, oh, look, there's the Holy Spirit right there. Or the Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes, that's when, that's when someone starts running the aisles. I grew up in a tradition where, where people would run the aisles when they, when they would catch the Spirit. Or, you know, the Spirit, that's, that's when the pastor doesn't even get to preach and we just do worship. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. Or, Holy Spirit is when, when I cry and worship, when the tears start flowing. That's when I know that the Spirit is here. For some of you, they think, oh, well, the way we know when the Spirit is here, that's, that's when we start speaking in tongues or speaking in other languages. Now, can, can all of those things, can any of those things be the Holy Spirit? Sure, sure. But maybe not. What's, so what's the primary role of the Holy Spirit? What's the Holy Spirit really for? Church, I believe this, that the Holy Spirit is here to reveal Jesus to us and to reveal Jesus in us. That the Holy Spirit is here to reveal Jesus to us and to reveal Jesus in us. See, in John chapter 14, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would reveal truth to us. And in John 15, he goes on to say that the Spirit testifies of who Jesus is. Is. So all of these things that we hear about the Holy Spirit, all these sayings that we have in the church world, oh man, I'm really led by the Spirit, or man, that guy is full of the Spirit, or when we come, you know, I'm um, controlled by the Spirit, we come into a church service, oh man, the Spirit was really moving today, or oh, I didn't, I didn't feel the Spirit that much in the service today. all these things we say about the Holy Spirit, how do we really know if the Holy Spirit was at work? How do we really know if the evidence of the Holy Spirit is here? Was Jesus glorified? Was his name made great? Did I come into a deeper understanding of who Jesus is? Did I walk out of that place changed and made to look more like Jesus? Did I come away lifting up the name of Jesus? Is my life changed where Jesus is made greater and other things are made less? If that's the case, regardless of emotion, regardless of goosebumps, regardless of how I feel, if that happened, the spirit of God was at work Today it's not about our emotions. The spirit of God is not just some emotional box that we plug into. The spirit of God is about revealing Jesus to us and revealing Jesus in us. See the scripture says that the spirit has made you holy. The spirit has made you holy. And we talk about that word holiness a lot when it comes to God. God is holy. God is, you know, holy, holy, holy. God is holy. But we don't like to talk about that word holy when it comes to us. God, no, God's the holy one. Me, I'm just, I'm, I'm just a mess. Remember, Daniel, I'm, I'm just a mess. But the crazy, the crazy thing is, church, God calls us as Christ followers to a life of holiness. Just later on in the same chapter, Peter goes on to say, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better better than, but check this out. He says, but now you must, everyone say must. You must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Isn't it crazy that God calls us to something that we absolutely have no ability to do? Because I don't know about you, but I have zero ability in my own strength to live a holy life. Maybe a day, maybe. I mean, and we've all tried it. I'm going to do better. I'm not going to do that again. You know what? I'm going to get control of that. How long is it before we stumble and how long is it before we fall apart again? But that's why God sent his spirit, because he reveals Christ to us, but he also reveals Christ in us us. See, holiness is a process and a partnership. Holiness is a process and it's also a partnership. What does this mean? That God's Spirit is at work within me to make me more like Jesus. And this is the bigger thing, church, that this process of being refined by the Spirit to to look more like Jesus, it is not optional for us as Christ followers. This is not something we say, well, I just want the salvation part, but I don't want it to change how I live. I just want the salvation part, but I don't want to have to make tough decisions about the things I do. That, that, that's not an option that we get to have as Christ followers. Why? Because God loves us enough not to leave us in our mess. That God accepts you the way you are, but his spirit is at work refining you because he loves you enough not to leave you that way. And that's why we have to surrender to it. But it also means I don't have to do it alone. I don't have to work to get the approval of God, that God's given me his spirit to partner with me. And all I have to do is keep saying yes. And all I have to do is keep surrendering. We talk about that all the time, being surrendered to the Holy Spirit. If I just keep saying yes to him, that partnership and that process is going to make me more and more and more like Jesus. See, we believe that I am guided by the Holy Spirit. I'm guided by the Holy Spirit. I'm guided to Christ's nearness, and I'm guided to Christ's likeness by the Holy Spirit. And so we talked a lot about Jesus there. So what about Jesus? What about Jesus? Peter goes on to say, as a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. What we see in Jesus is that we have been saved by Son. I am saved by the Son. He says, as a result, you have obeyed him and been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I love this. He says, as a result, that the result of our infilling of the Holy Spirit, the result of God's pursuit of us is obedience. It's not the other way around. We don't obey to win God's approval. We don't obey to become saved. We don't obey to for God to shine his favor on us. We obey because God's already done those things. We obey because God's already shown his favor. We obey because we've already been cleansed by the blood. It's a result. It's not something we do to earn God's favor. It's something we do because God's favor and mercy have been poured out upon us. We operate from a place of obedience because we already operate from a place of salvation. And I'm not going to fully open up salvation because we're going to talk about that in week three of this series. We're going to spend a whole uh, sermon talking about Salvation. So I'm not going to open up that right now. If you want to know more about that, you got to come back on week three. But it's, just, it's enough for us to know that it's through Jesus. Jesus is the means of our salvation. It's not us. It's not our works. It's not us trying to live right. It's not us trying to live moral lives. Jesus is the means of our salvation. So we see that I am loved by the Father. I am saved by the Son, and I am guided by the Holy Spirit. I am loved by the Father. I am saved by the Son. I am guided by the Holy Spirit. And I love how Peter wraps this all up. He says, simply, may God give you more and more grace and peace. He just kind of wraps up this idea of Father, Spirit, Son, and he just says, may God give you more and more grace and peace. Once again, it's so important for us to understand we are not a polytheistic religion it's the same god father spirit son one god so it doesn't it doesn't matter pray to the son pray to the father pray to the spirit it's just it's not some magic chant church it's you pray pray to god and just and the verbiage i think god knows us and loves us enough that if we get the verbiage wrong he's willing to overlook that i think the the bigger thing is if we bring our hearts to him that he's moved by that, and that he loves us enough. So it's not some incantation that that we have to do. We just approach God, Father, Spirit, Son, the three in one, because of his great love for us. See, we see each member of the Trinity, they're constantly at work in our lives. They're working at us to, to, to bring us to him. And we may not fully grasp the concept of the Trinity, but I want to tell you, church, I don't want to serve a God I can fully grasp. I don't, I don't want to serve a God that's so small I can easily get my head around him. If God is really God, if he's really the creator, he should exist on planes of reality that my mind can't understand. If we're three-dimensional, God should be seven-dimensional. Do you know what I'm saying? Like God should exist in things that I can't get my puny brain around. And my job is not to try to figure all that out to the nth degree, but my job is to say, God, I trust you because you've shown yourself real and faithful in my life because you knew me and yet you still chose me because you initiated because you took the first step towards me God I know that I can trust you God because you sent your son to be the means of my salvation you sent your son to die on the cross so that he paid the price for my sins so that I could come to know you and I could have a relationship with you and God you love me enough that you don't leave me in my mess but you give me your spirit to reveal yourself to me and to reveal yourself in me, to change me, to mold me, to make me over. God, if this is who you are, God, even though I may not fully grasp it, the three in one, three persons, one God, I may not grasp it, but God, I want it. God, I understand. God, I believe it. And God, would you show yourself more and more and more in my life? I believe if we'll approach him with that kind of heart and with that kind of attitude, it, it just lays such a strong foundation of who he is and our ability to trust him and our ability to love him. So next week we're going to talk about scripture. We're going to talk about what scripture is, how we use scripture. I think many of us have uh, an approach to scripture that um, I want to. Uh, we're going to challenge it a little next week, and and um, it's, I think it's going to be really eye opening for a lot of us. So really want to encourage you to come back next week as we continue the series. This we believe, and talk about scripture next.